Let's talk about one of my least favorite things to do on a food truck. Fryer filtering, changing the shortening, and boil outs. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, my name is Bill Moore. I am the founder of foodtrucktraining.group. Yesterday we talked about shortening care and what can sap the life out of your shortening. That episode is packed full of some little-known shortening tips, and I hope you didn't miss it. Today we're going to talk about filtering, changing your oil, and different methods of doing a boil out. Fryer filtering is not necessarily an end-of-the-day task. It's ongoing. The first bit of equipment you need is a skimmer. A skimmer for a fryer is a long handle with a metal screen mesh square attached to the end. Kind of looks like a fly swatter with a screen door attached to it. You use that to scoop out little bits of breading or french fries that have escaped the basket and are floating in the oil. Remember yesterday we talked about one of the enemies of shortening being air. So when you use a skimmer, make sure you're being gentle about scooping the product out of the shortening. Filtering is a uh, frequent task based on one of two things, either your sales volume or that you've closed for the day. If you're high volume with a lot of fried products, you may have to filter after uh, a certain sales level has been reached. There are a number of restaurants that filter after lunch and after dinner, so they're filtering twice a day. Again, it just depends on the sales volume. In very, very general terms, it would be about $500 per fryer. So if you have three fryers, $1,500. But $500 would be the absolute bare minimum. Closing time is the most common time to filter a fryer since the food truck is likely either headed home or to a commissary. If you have lids that prevent splashing, you can choose to filter your shortening uh, either later on that evening after it's cooled off, after you've driven home or driven back to the commissary, or you can wait until the next morning before you start your uh, food prep. That is completely up to you. It's easier to do it if it's warm, usually in the 200 degree range, but there's been many times when I've filtered it, just turned off and started filtering. Again, you got to be careful. Uh, if you don't have the secure lids, then you're going to have to transfer the shortening to a mural bucket or some other similar holding tank. And if you're going to have to do that, just go ahead and filter at that point. The the reason you want to filter at that point is because you want the holding tank to only have clean oil in it. So you're going to filter into that holding tank or into that holding bucket and then put the lid on it for your transport. So let's talk about the popular ways to filter. The cheapest way to filter is to use a paper cone and a cone holder. So what you do is you take that paper cone, you turn it inside out so that it's less likely to collapse. And then you're also going to use paper clips or some other type of clamp to hold it to the top of the filter cone holder. So again, so it doesn't collapse on you because it is no fun to have one collapse and then it diverts all the shortening out into the floor or onto your leg. So you want to, uh, again, use something to keep it secure so it doesn't collapse. You're going to also need a pot of some sort when you're doing the filtering. Pot is to take the clean shortening out of the receptacle you're filtering into and use it to help rinse the crumbs that will adhere to the sides of the fryer, to the burner, uh, the burner tubes, or the bottom of the fryer. So you're 
be pouring in some clean oil to help rinse that stuff out. You're also going to need what's referred to as a J or a C rod. All that is is a stainless steel rod that is shaped either like a J or a C and it's to help unclog the drain. So you're going to put it inside the fryer and kind of poke towards the drain to break up any fries or break up a big clog to help rinse that out into the filter that you're using. The next cheapest thing you can do is to have a reusable filter bag. This is a cloth bag, kind of a plasticky cloth bag that uh, doesn't have to be thrown away every day. It will eventually develop holes along the seams and stop working, but you'll get several months out of it before you have to throw the bag away. And it comes with its own holder that will fit across whatever bucket you're going to be using and need to drain into it. It's a little bit faster of a drain system too because the bag is much has a much bigger capacity to hold shortening than the filter cones do. So now let's talk about a filter machine. Filter machines start around two grand, so they're a little bit more expensive and that would be for a super cheap one. They're usually well more than that, but there are some benefits to having it. Like there's less chance of getting burnt and you don't have to deadlift 50 pounds of shortening to dump it back into the fryer. Filtering machines will have some type of hose that's attached to it to help you rinse down, so there's no need to use the pot or pan to pick up shortening and, and help rinse out. And that's the same hose you'd use to fill up the shortening. So there are some benefits. Filter machines, however, will have more than likely a filter pad that's made of paper. So it's disposable. So they're kind of getting you on both sides. It's an expensive machine with a disposable element so that you're having to uh, replace the filter paper every so often. There are some machines that just use a wire mesh, but they're not as good as using a filter paper because the filter paper will pull more of the crumbs out. So let's talk about a product that's associated a lot with filtering machines. If you bought a brand name fryer, you probably were given some sample packets of a powder. Some of them are called polishing powders, some of them are called rejuvenating powders, but they all do the same thing. They're a clumping agent that helps bind tiny particles that normally the filters could not catch. And those bigger particles obviously are get, getting caught by the uh, filter papers, which is great. And there's a lot of people that swear by these powder powders. And they make extraordinary claims of, hey, I use filter powders and I get double the length of time out of my shortening or triple. And I hate to break it to you, but if you're using those powders, they really don't work that way. Most of y'all know that I've worked in restaurants for many, many, many years. And I was on the corporate side of the restaurant world. So I did a lot of testing. Anytime a new product came out, they gave it to me to test because they knew that I would be thorough and then do the math on it to see if it made sense to use that product. So I was always given a case of uh, filter powders every time a company came out with a new brand. Here, try this. Here's a case of You're going to love it. Here's the negatives. Filtering powders at best, at best, only add on about a half a day or so. Because what they do is, remember, they're a contaminant. We talked about contaminants yesterday. They lower the smoke point. You cannot filter out the powder because, remember, it's a clumping agent. If it has nothing to clump to, it just goes through the filter and remains in the shortening. It also has a taste. It's a metallic-y kind of dirt taste. And the reason it tastes like that is because the main components of the chemicals that they use are either a form of a lava type rock or it's a chemical that comes from fossils. So it's basically they pull it out of a volcano or they pull it out of the ground. In either way, it's a processed chemical that's finely ground and it's also used in fertilizers. So it's not exactly something you want to be adding to your food. And like I said, it does have a taste. Not everyone can taste it, but it does have a taste. 
And once you know that taste, you can't untaste it. So as you can tell, I don't really care for filter powders. If you do, go for it. They're only $3, $4 a fryer every time you add them. And if you think it helps you, then by all means, go for it. So along those lines, when should you change your shortening? Obviously your shortening has a life. When it no longer cooks the food the way that you want, that's when you're gonna change it. Shortening as it darkens also changes the look of your fried foods. Older shortening makes your food appear to be done. It gives it that uh, darker color on the outside, but it's not gonna be done on the inside because the shortening, or rather the food, has not been in the shortening long enough to cook it properly. So if you're using a timer, for instance, and the timer goes off at, you know, three and a half minutes or whatever it's set for, you pull the food up, and if the shortening's old, it looks darker than it normally should. If you're a cook that uses visual cues, that means you're pulling up the food whenever it looks to be golden brown, but when you break into that food, if the shortening is old, it's not done. So you've got that kind of catch-22. If you use timers and old shortening, it looks burnt. If you use a visual cue and old shortening, it looks great, but it's not done on the inside. So how do you know when to change the shortening without sacrificing some food and testing it? Well, there's two foolproof methods. They both involve a test kit. There's one test comparison kit that has a test tube and a little eyedropper where you pull just a little teeny tiny bit of the shortening into the eyedropper. Then you take that eyedropper and put it into the uh, test kit where there's a little test tube and then you can do a color comparison right beside it on that test kit will be the appropriate color for shortening when it's too dark it should look like your shortening should look like a iced tea basically slightly darker than iced tea if it's way darker than iced tea or a strong iced tea it's time to change the short that test kit allows you to, to take just that tiny sample and do a color comparison if it's darker than the uh, color comparison you want to toss the oil the other method is a test paper that's similar to the paper that you use to test your sanitized water. It will have different little squares on it and you dip those in and when they turn their different colors, there'll either be a comparison on the test strip because they're more of a plasticky kind of a test strip rather than a paper. Or they'll ask you to take the test strip and compare it to a chart that's on the bottle. In either case, it'll be the same thing. Darker means toss it, lighter means you're good to go. For my restaurants and my food trucks, I was discarding shortening roughly $25 to $2,800, but also had multiple fryers. So you gotta kinda keep that in mind. If you only have one fryer, you're gonna be turning that shortening over quicker than if you have multiple fryers where you can rotate the shortening and are only dumping one every, like I said, about $25, $2,800. So if you get to the point where you're going to change out the shortening, that's a good thing. But once a week, maybe once every other week, you want to boil out your fryer. Fryer boil out is a chemical that you're gonna to add to the fryer that helps to degrease it and break up the carbon, and it helps to clean it. It does a really, really nice job, but you wanna follow the manufacturer's recommendation on the, um, the boil out and use it properly. You have two choices at this point. You can do a hot boil out, which is just exactly what it sounds like. You pour that powder into hot water and turn the fryer on on its lowest possible setting to where it gets right to boiling. And you need to stand there and watch it. Do not leave a fryer unattended if you're doing a boil out because it will boil up, boil over, go into your fryer next to it, go onto the floor and make a huge mess. If it boils up and into the fryer sitting next to it, now you've added water to that shortening. So it's going to have to be thrown away. And that's, if that fryer happens to be on, it's going to boil up and boil over as well. So now you have a watery, greasy mess 
and more than likely you've burned yourself because it does make a tremendous mess putting a bunch of water into a hot fryer. So that's the hot method of boiling out. Again, you add the packet to it, turn it on low, the low setting your fryer has that will still create boiling water and you'll be turning the fryer on and off very frequently. Follow the instructions however many minutes it says to do that. Use a scrub brush and that's a fryer scrub brush, fryer specific scrub brush. You never ever use a metal scrub pad or anything that's abrasive inside that fryer because number one it's not stainless steel it's going to be some form of rolled steel or aluminum so it will scar quite easily and every scar that you put into that metal creates more surface volume and more places for carbon to adhere to so you're thinking you're cleaning it but now you're going to have to clean that spot every single time you enter that fryer with a scrub pad because you've created a way for the carbon to adhere to it easier. Do not use a metal a scrub pad, a Brillo pad, anything that's abrasive inside your fryer. Use the brush that came with it if you bought an expensive fryer. If you bought a cheap fryer that didn't come with the brush, go buy you a fryer specific brush. The other little bit easier way to clean the, the uh, fryer using chemicals again is a cold soak and what that requires is a really strong degreaser. You're probably going to use it either 50% or possibly straight depending upon how good the, of a degreaser you purchase and you're going to pour it into the fryer and let it soak overnight. Of course it will loosen and clean everything wherever the water level and grease level is in that fryer but you let it soak overnight so there's not as much tending to it. Then the next morning you're going to dump it out, you're going to rinse it out very thoroughly, you're going to dry it out obviously since you're adding water to it because you don't want any water to be there when you add the shortening and you'll be doing some minor scrubbing again with a soft fryer specific brush. All right, so now you know the basics of filtering and shortening, when to change the shortening, and how to do a boil out or a cold soak. Tomorrow we're going to get into the cooking basics of a fryer and how to manage multiple fryers. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting the podcast. A small monthly contribution really does help. Just click on that support button. Thank you guys so much for listening, and you guys stay profitable.